You're listening to a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hi, I'm Dhamini and you're listening to Gender Question. Here we will look at an issue that's in the news using the lens of gender. The idea is to take a blind spot and throw some light on it. In the previous part of this episode, you heard about how LGBTQ persons are subjected to conversion therapy to cure them of their gender expression and or sexuality and the terrible consequences it has on their lives. In this episode, we'll talk about the scientific backing that such therapy has received over the years. It is well documented that homosexuality was classified as a mental illness in the Diagnostical and Statistical Manual, the textbook that is used by psi disciplines all over the world. It was removed from this manual in 1973, but it came to be seen as a sexual orientation disturbance. The World Health Organization finally recognized that homosexuality is not a deviation, it's not deviant, only in 1990. Transsexualism became the new catchphrase, and then that underwent modifications, and now it is understood as gender dysphoria. Meanwhile, the WHO removed transgender from its own manual, which is the International Classification of Diseases, but redefined intersex variations as disorders of sex development. So, on the one hand, you have all these various um, aspects of your gender identity, gender expression, sexual orientation, being seen as disorders, being seen as deviant, then being removed from that particular definition of classification, but another kind being introduced, right? So there's, there's that happening. And it's happening over the decades. But alongside, alongside this is a simultaneous move towards uh, creating ways of curing these quote-unquote conditions, right? So different kinds of treatments have been used. And uh, there is a book called Curing Queers. That's a bit of a tongue twister, uh, which has been written by Tommy Dickinson, who uh, has talked about these different kinds of treatments that were used to cure uh, homosexuality. According to Tommy Dickinson, aversion therapy, which is another term uh, used for conversion therapy, took a few different forms in the 1960s United Kingdom. In an interview to the Royal Nursing College that is available uh, freely on YouTube, he explains what some of these processes involved. Um, there were two types of aversion therapy. There was um, electrical aversion therapy and there was chemical aversion therapy. And most people are aware of electrical aversion. When you say aversion therapy, they would imagine electrical aversion therapy. So the man would be sat on a wooden chair in front of a projector screen um, and their feet, their hands or their calves would be attached to um, electrodes. And they would get, um, they would be shown pictures of, of men, naked men on the projector screen, and they would get electric shocks um, through their hands, through their feet, um, via these electrodes. And then they would be shown a picture of a female, and it would be the nurse 
pressing the button to give them the injection, uh, to, to give them the electric shock, sorry. And um, then they would be shown a picture of a female and they wouldn't receive an electric shock. Um, so it was based on Pavlovian classical conditioning. You were to associate the pain, the electric shock, with the images of the, of the, um, of the, the men. So that was electrical aversion therapy. There was also chemical aversion therapy, which in my opinion was a lot more invasive and um, a lot more brutal. That's not to negate that you know, the electrical aversion therapy wasn't, um, wasn't. But what happened in chemical aversion therapy is the patient would be admitted onto a side ward of a psychiatric wing um, or psychiatric ward, and they would be kept in there for up to three days. And the they would be asked to bring with them um, pictures of men, naked men, um, or the consultant psychiatrist would have chosen some, and they would be pasted all around the room, and there would be a strong light shining on them. And in that side room where they were, there would be no toilet, no sick bowl, no basin, um, they're just a bed. And every two hours it was the nurse's role to come in and give them an injection of apomorphine which is a really powerful emetic, so it made them violently vomit. Um, and they would usually be given that with a drink of alcohol, usually brandy, to exacerbate that nausea and vomiting. The question, of course, is, did any of these gruesome, violent acts that passed off as therapy actually cure anyone? Two researchers looking particularly into the kind of conversion therapies that uh, persons assigned female gender at birth faced found that in the 1960s, a hospital in the United Kingdom called the North Manchester General Hospital pioneered the aversion therapy thanks to a large grant that had been given to the hospital anonymously, but on the condition that the money be used to treat homosexuality. In a paper published in Lancet Psychiatry, the authors Helen Spandler and Sarah Carr wrote about the hidden history of psychiatric treatment of lesbian and bisexual women in England. They poured through medical records and archives maintained by organizations, but found it impossible to pin down how many women underwent treatment for their sexual orientation. In an article about this search, they also talk about meeting a woman now in her 70s, who had undergone aversion therapy at the North Manchester Hospital. They write that she was surprised to learn that her story had been written up without her permission by the psychologists and written up as a success because after the quote-unquote treatment, she discovered feminism, she came out and she was currently living quite happily with her long-term female partner. So the question that I think we mustn't stop asking is why? The Supreme Court of India has read down Section 377, a colonial era law, in 2018 after a decades-long legal battle. The Indian Psychiatric Association also came out to state that homosexuality is not a mental illness in 2018. However, several mental health practitioners had been supporting the legal battle against Section 377, even as far back as the 2000s when the case stood before the Delhi High Court. 
Raj Mariwala of the Mariwala Health Initiative, an organization that focuses on making mental health accessible to marginalized persons and communities, makes an important point. If definitions have changed, right, why is it that, uh, you know, ways of dealing with, uh, with what things that were once pathologized, why have they not changed? Why have they not stopped? So I'm going to say that, um, unfortunately, LGBTQIA plus identities are still pathologized. Mm. And even though uh, they've been removed from DSM, uh, as I think, whether you, I'm not sure now whether you mentioned it, but uh, they have been removed from DSM, especially mm. sexual orientation was removed a while ago. Right. Uh, but again, the practice in India, up until very recently uh, there was no position statement on homosexuality uh, as late as 2014 one of the presidents of the apex body of mental health in india uh, indian psychiatric society uh, said that homosexuality could be treated and so conversion therapies also are rife and they may not be of the type that we are used to hearing about historically such as lobotomies yeah. Uh, but uh, there is violence within the mental health institution for anything that is deemed abnormal. So yeah. forced incarceration, forced medication without informed consent, yeah. all of these are part and parcel of what we would call conversion therapy today. Yeah. And I want to say that conversion therapy, when I'm saying it, mm. um, even though we've spoken about history, of LGB identities facing this. Mm. I want to say that it is being used against many trans persons and non-binary persons as well mm. in India. It's a zero-sum game on the science turf because classification of a disorder carries within itself the impulse to treat. But what's more, the scientific field isn't unchanging or objective. As the story of the definitions pertaining to homosexuality itself tells us. So I ask again, why are LGBTQ people still subjected to conversion therapy? If you have any questions, do reach out to me at the rate Dhamini on Twitter. You can also leave your feedback at HT Smartcast on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Bye. This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast. I'm Annie Apple and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burrow, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app.